This week I read a story on the internet uh, that talked about uh, a father uh, this past January who uh, was living in Maine and uh, went to a art gallery showing called Reflect. And the art gallery showing uh, he went to, uh, he wanted to go to because there was a portrait of his son that was featured in this, this art gallery. Uh, it was sponsored by a photographer named Trent Bell. And Trent Bell uh, went into a federal prison in Maine and took portraits of 12 of the convicts uh, that were in this federal prison in Maine. And he did some work on their photos and then showed them at uh, this art gallery showing called Reflect in Maine. But what he did that was really unique with these portraits is he had each and every one of the convicts write a letter. He asked each convict to write a letter to their younger selves. To imagine a situation or a scenario where they could write a letter to their younger selves before they got in trouble and before they got themselves landed into prison. So that's what they did. They wrote these handwritten letters to a younger version of themselves. And what Trent Bell did is he took those handwritten letters and he superimposed them over these portraits of these men and then put them up on display for everyone to see that evening. Well, as I told you, one particular father went that evening because he'd heard that there was a portrait of his son that was there that evening. And as he got there, he walked up and he saw that portrait of his son and he read these words that are written by his son, Brandon. A a letter written to Brandon's younger self by Brandon himself. And it says this. It says, Brandon, it hurts to be sitting here writing you this letter. Our journey has been tough and it's been filled with pain, tears, and heartache. I made a lot of mistakes. I write this letter now in order to caution you of what may lay on the road ahead of you if you don't open your eyes. And also to tell you what has become important in life as a result of where you've been. The year is 2013 and you've been in prison for four years now. The specifics of how and why aren't important right now. There's a bigger picture. You got here because of ignorance, because of a mindset, and because you were trying to be someone you are not. Just knowing that people will always try and test you and no matter what, you think only a real man can walk away. Anyone can fight. The weakest people can fight. Anyone can act or react with violence, but a real man can turn the other cheek and walk away. Things are going to happen that will make you bitter with those closest to you. You have to be the bigger person and confront your problems. Talk them out. Express yourself. Don't run away from the problems. No matter what happens, your family loves you unconditionally. They will be there when you need them most and you least expect it. They will always pick you up when you fall. Love them and help them at every opportunity they deserve it. Don't be afraid to love. And when you do love, love completely. Always have courage. With courage you will dare to take risks. Have the strength to be compassionate and the wisdom to be humble. Courage is the foundation of integrity. No matter what, always love yourself. Sincerely, you. As people that were there last night, they walked from portrait to portrait and saw all these portraits of these convicts that had written these letters to themselves. And the overriding theme that most of them saw was the theme of regret. Regret by men who were deeply suffering the consequences of their own crimes. Men who struggled deeply, trying very hard to not be defined by the mistakes of their lives. To not be characterized by the things that they've done. 
to not feel trapped by their past actions and their regret. You know, regret, this idea of regret, may be one of the most unbearable things that we have to deal with in life, one of the most unbearable burdens we often have to shoulder. Because the reality is each and every one of us sitting here have made all sorts of mistakes. There have been things that we've done that we wish that we could take back, sometimes almost immediately, where we do something and we wish we could take it back almost immediately. And each and every one of us struggles very hard to not be defined by those things. To not be defined by our regret, to not be defined by our mistakes, to not be defined by our sins. Psalm 22, the psalm that we just read, is powerful on all sorts of different levels. It's written by King David and from the nation of Israel, and we don't know the circumstances in which David wrote this psalm, but we do know that life wasn't going very well for him at this point. He was incredibly oppressed by the circumstances of of his life, so much so that he cried out to God for mercy and wondered why God had not reacted in the way that he most desired. But we know that this this psalm takes on all sorts of different meanings because of what happened several hundred years ago when Jesus Christ himself on the cross reiterated or respoke these very words from David the psalmist. And he fulfilled in his death on the cross some of the prophecies that David outlines in this psalm. Because the gospel story tells us that in the end of Jesus' life, in the events of his life that led up to Good Friday, the gospel story tells us that he was betrayed by his friends. He was betrayed by those who were closest to him and he was arrested by the authorities of his day. He was stripped of his clothing. He was mocked by those around him. And he was severely beaten. And on Good Friday, his hands were nailed, his hands and feet were nailed to a cross where he was spit on and he was hung between two common criminals. And at the very end of his crucifixion, he quoted these words from Psalm 22 and then he breathed his very last breath. Tonight, as we gather for Good Friday, we gather to reflect on this very event. And often as we reflect on Good Friday, we, we think, why did it have to happen this way? Why so severe? Why so painful? Why did, why did our rescue, why did our redemption have to be accomplished in such a gruesome, in such a horrible way? But Peter, one of the first apostles, take, takes a crack at answering that very question. He says in Act 2 that Jesus was killed by the hands of lawless men. But he also tells us that Jesus was killed because of the purposes of God. You see, the crucifixion tells us two really profound things because it speaks very deeply about the nature of our souls, the nature of who we are, and it speaks very deeply about the nature of God's grace. First, the death of Christ tells us very deeply about the nature of our souls because the gospel story tells us very plainly, if you read the scriptures, that you and I stand just as condemned before God as those convicts in those portraits stood before the judicial system. Our condemnation might not be one of some sort of criminal conviction or condemnation, but it is tied to a spiritual conviction or spiritual condemnation. Because the Scriptures tell us, and we know it to be true, that daily each and every one of us rebels against God. 
Each and every day we seek to rush out and to be our own gods, to go our own way, to, to seek out life on our own, to live our lives not by God's design, but by our very own. And because of this, our souls have become wholly corrupted by sin. There's not any piece of us, there's not any piece or corner of our soul that hasn't been touched by the corruption of sin that is in our lives. And because of our corrupted souls, we are deserving of God's punishment. We feel that corruption partially now. And ultimately, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, we will feel it fully. The evidence of this corruption is all over. We see it every day. We see it evidenced in, the, in our broken lives. We see it evidenced in our broken relationships. We see it evidenced in our broken world that is all around us. But the most profound sense of our brokenness comes in our relationship with God because the Scriptures tell us because of the corruption of sin, we've become enemies with God our Creator. We've become enemies with God our Father. Our relationship has become broken. Because this gospel story reminds us, apart from Jesus Christ, our sins and our mistakes and our frailties actually do define who we are. And we are completely unable, left to ourselves, to fix our situation. You know, history has blamed the Jews for Christ's crucifixion. Some have blamed the Romans for Christ's crucifixion. And there is some truth to that. But the greatest guilt lies with us and our sin and our rebellion. Because it was our sin and our brokenness that sent Jesus Christ to that cross. But the death of Christ also speaks very profoundly about the nature of God's grace. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, just days before Christ was crucified, he went off alone, and the Scriptures tell us he began praying before the Father. And one of the Gospel writers tells us that he was praying so vehemently that actual drops of blood became sweated down from his brow. Because he asked, he went before the Father and he asked, God, is there any other way we can do this? Is there any other way that this rescue can be accomplished? Is there any other way that this redemption can happen? But there wasn't. He knew that he had to suffer. The gospel story tells us that the cross is where God's justice had to meet God's love. In order for our rescue, in order for your rescue and my rescue to be accomplished, a perfect sacrifice for our sin had to be made. Blood had to be spilled for the forgiveness of our sins and for our relationship with God to be restored. And in the cross, He bore our condemnation. He bore our punishment, the very thing that you and I deserve because of our sin. And this was God's rescue plan. And Christ saw it all the way to the finish. You know, often we feel like the pressure of uh, pressure of living with our mistakes. We feel the pressure of living with our regret. And often we feel very defined by those things about us. But because of Christ's sacrifice, we no longer need be defined by our sins. We no longer need to be defined by our brokenness. We no longer need to be defined by our rebellion and our corruption. But instead, we experience His forgiveness and we become defined by His love. 
Trent Bell, the photographer who, who did this uh, gallery, he was inspired to do this when he learned about a close friend of his that had just been incarcerated for 36 years in the prison system. And he talks about his experience as he photographed these men and as he had them write these letters and as he interacted with them. And he said that the sense that you get from each one of them is this overwhelming burden that they bear because of their mistakes. And they struggle very hard to not be defined by those mistakes. He says, our mistakes cannot... Our mistakes contain untold loss, remorse, and regret. But the positive value of these bad choices might be immeasurable if we can face them, admit to them, learn from them, and find the strength to share. As I told you before, at that art gallery showing that night, the father of one of the convicts showed up because he heard a portrait of his son was there. He found the portrait of his son and he walked up to it and he read the words that his son wrote, the words that I just read to you. And in tears, he went to everyone that he could find and mentioned how proud he was of his son for these words that he had written. And he expressed his deep love and his deep acceptance of his son to anybody he could see in that moment. Friends, the only way that you and I can experience the deep love and acceptance of God the Father is through the sacrifice of God the Son. The Gospel story tells us that by faith, this sacrifice can be ours. If we believe in our hearts the events of Good Friday and the events of Easter Sunday, and we believe in our hearts what they truly mean, when we trust in Jesus for our rescue and stop trying to make our rescue happen on our own terms, when we do that, we can experience the forgiveness, the restoration, and the life eternal that we all so desperately need. Do you believe this good news? Do you believe this gospel of Jesus Christ? If so, stop trying to fix your life on your own. Stop trying to improve your spiritual resume. Stop trying to do all those things on your own that you are completely unable to do and flee to Christ in faith and receive the healing that our souls most desperately need and receive the embrace of the Father, knowing that you no longer have to be defined by your mistakes and your sins and your regrets, but you can now be defined by the love of the Father.